Cut, and this is the K-Cut. Back once again with our Oscars roundtable. And today we're going to be talking about screenplays, adapted and original. Because, you know, movies need to be written. So this category is a pretty important one. It's also a way to kind of look at things out of the context of the motion picture element of it. Yeah, so we've only got two categories tonight. The first one I think we should go through is adapted screenplay. And so this is anything taken from a book or a play. Uh, sometimes you get some kind of strange original sources, but basically anything that wasn't almost completely made up could uh, by, by the writers. Um, so in the category, we have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. I ranked Coda last because I actually think the screenplay is its weakest point. It's sort of a story we've all seen before. It's just a nicely done version of it. And I do find some of the, sometimes the story gets tripped up on itself and it's kind of frustrating. So I'm not even sure why it's here, to be honest. Fourth Dune, solid adaptation, big epic movie, cool, great. Now, we get into the stuff that... I personally bring up a level above number four and five. One is the power of the dog, which I think was able to distill the essence of these characters so perfectly and so well. And it really told this very stark story, but still kept it interesting. And I think it's very hard to make unpleasant people interesting. Same goes for the lost daughter, actually, because nobody in that movie comes out a winner. And I think this was, again, a very deep character exploration. I think that it was... Um, that is where its strength lies. It's also very well paced. And I just recently read the short story and it adapts it very well. Um, Drive My Car, I put as number one because, again, in itself, creating this movie was a feat. Three hours from a short story. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they kept it compelling. But they did it and it's beautifully done. I don't think this category is very locked up, to be honest. I can see a path to the win for basically any of them except Dune. I just don't think Dune's in, the, in play here. Power of the Dog could win because it might win Best Picture. Drive My Car was such a success. Coda's getting a lot of love for some reason, so you never know. But in the end, I think it's going to go to The Lost Daughter because it has been recognized by the Academy in other categories, including Supporting Actress, where nobody expected that, I think. It's got Maggie Gyllenhaal, who A, did a wonderful job, and B, has some star power. And I think if it's going to walk away with anything, it's this one. I actually much prefer this category to the next one, so you'll hear a little bit of uh, rumbling from from this person when we get to the originals uh number five yeah i have to agree it's going to be coda um while i think it's an improvement of its source material the uh the french film la famille bellier um i also think it's very rudimentary and i honestly feel like it's only here because of its best picture love um it's fine it's got some really good lines Otherwise, I think as a story, it's very basic. Um, number four, I'm going to put The Lost Daughter, actually. I feel like this is like a big leap from, from fifth to fourth. I feel like uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's depiction of its of the source material is done really well. And I feel like the, uh, the, inter, the inter... I feel like the, the weaving in and out between the past and the present, or, you know, the present, according to the film, uh, is done really well. And I feel like a lot of the mystery is is revealed in a nice gradual pace. Number three, I'm going to put Dune. Um, I feel like I, I ranked it 
lower when I did this on Films Fatale. Um, and part of that reason was because it's not necessarily even done yet. It's still got like an entire half of a book left. Having said that, considering the fact that this was deemed an unfilmable book, and we've gotten to this point so far, I feel like it's as good as it's going to get. And I feel like it's still told really well to the point that you get, even though all of this is expository so far, that alone is still told in such a thrilling way. And you get enough of a big picture that you are anticipating the second half. So I feel like that's, that's a good thing. Number two, I have the power of the dog. I feel like Jane Campion in general is just a fantastic writer. Uh, you know, and I feel like she can adapt uh, either moments in history or source materials exceptionally well. And I feel like, you know, you raise a really good point, Rachel, that I, I would argue that most of the characters in this film aren't necessarily good people, and yet we're still drawn to them. So I feel like as a testament to the writing, number one, Drive My Car, uh, Principal Alone, it's a short story that was turned into a three-hour spiritual opus. Um... I feel like it's a tabula rasa that can imprint that can leave an imprint on any single one of its viewers when it comes to the discussions of life and death. Um, I think it's just magnificently told. So that's for sure my favorite. Um, I'm going to have to agree with Rachel on this one. Um, Coda can win because it, it looks like it, it's got like a slim chance. They won the it won another major award, didn't it? Like the screenplay. Um, um, oh, I thought you talked about a different award. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it won something else. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I kind of don't want it to win. <laughs> not, to, not to sound rude. Um, I don't think Dune's going to win it. I don't think The Lost Daughter's going to win it. Although I love that Maggie Gyllenhaal got a shout out. Um, if this wins, if you're watching this and it's Oscar night, if Coda. The Power of the Dog or Drive My Car win this, they're going to win Best Picture. I'm telling you that right off the bat. Um, like, Coda is going to come in with its uh, supporting actor win. It's going to come in for the trifecta. Drive My Car is going to pull a Parasite because this is exactly what happened with Parasite when it won it for its screenplay. <laughs> Oh, unfortunately, and Green Book, but we don't need to. We don't need to. Rem we don't need to be reminded of that film. But the exact same story. Spotlight as well, and Spotlight did not win anything else. That's not to say that whoever wins this will win, but given the the mapping of everything out, we know Drive My Car is going to win international film. We know Coda is going to win supporting actor, pretty much. Uh, we know that The Power of the Dog is going to win best director, pretty much. Um, I'm just saying, I'm going to predict, given how the BAFTAs went, I'm going to predict The Power of the Dog because it won Best Picture over there, and I feel like it's going to need to pick up a big win elsewhere, and this could be it. It was previously for Supporting Actor. That's no longer the case. So I'm predicting The Power of the Dog. Anyway, I, I'm done. Uh, James, what about you? <laughs> All right. So I actually put Dune last for the simple fact that it's not finished. I, it's that's This film is really interesting. While it's deserving of its nominations, it doesn't feel right with it being unfinished. Like even its best pick nom, it's like I'm kind of questioning it. It's like this isn't even like I, I need the full story. It was it was great. Don't get me wrong, but it's just one of those things. It's like how do I how do I judge it when I don't know the second half of the story yet? Well, it's just like you, you know get I, both at once. I you know I think so I have this thing with two part movies. The only one that ever really did it 
in a way that I thought was amazing was Kill Bill, but it wasn't supposed to be two movies. It was shot as one and split up because of the runtime. So when you do the two parters, it's like, is it, it can work, but is it really worth it? Uh, for I put Coda, Coda's fairly standard, but I do think it definitely did what it did really well, especially because, you know, most of the screenplay had to be translated to sign language. So I think there is something to be said about the performance that was necessary for this, considering, you know, you're dealing with deaf actors. Because one of the criticisms of the original version of this movie is they actually didn't use deaf actors. They just used regular actors with sign language. This one, the creators were adamant on getting deaf actors to actually add a sense of realism to it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Three, I put Power of the Dog. It's a similar sentiment to I've had the whole time with Power of the Dog. I think the work as a whole is stronger than its individual elements. When you pull them apart, I I think they're just like, okay. I mean, it's still really good, though. I mean... You know, Jane Campbell, she obviously knows what she's doing. Do I put The Lost Daughter? Because I think Maggie Gyllenhaal, this was written like she was a seasoned writer. Like, I wasn't expecting this as, like, her first big, like, written and directed movie by herself. You know, I I thought the pacing was great. I thought, you know, the performances helped accentuate the dialogue instead of just them just sort of talking. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hope that my first movie is as well written as something like that. I mean, you know, and you could tell she's been being in the industry as long as she has. You can tell that she's definitely trying to do right by the people she's worked for. Apparently, the writer, Elena Ferrante, said you can only uh, write this movie if you direct it as well because she had so much confidence in Jill and all. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love hearing stories like that. And the number one drive by car. Again, you take a short story and you turn it into a three hour masterpiece. You know, I I can only imagine what it was like expanding this because, you know, I mean, short stories is interesting thing because I think it's, there's enough there to be a complete story, but there's always so much you can expand on. And I I haven't read the short story yet, but I'm actually going to, you know, do it at some point just to see what the original story is like compared to this. And yeah, just the whole thing with mixed language too. It's, you know, I don't know, something like that's not easy to write. So the fact that it was pulled off is just already just impressive. And as far as the win, it's really hard because this is one of those where it's like, it could go to anyone. I mean, I, I want to say the lost daughter primarily because of Maggie Gyllenhaal star power, but also I think they're going to be impressed with what she's done like I don't think anybody expected her to pull this off the way she did, but I also want to give it to drive my car because that that best pick nom, I I I foresee a parasite situation happening again because it what it resonated like that similar to how parasite did. Yeah, another thing that's interesting is that this year has the potential for two non English language films winning the two screenplay awards, which I do not think has ever happened, not both in one year. No, that's very true, because uh, for the Best Original Screenplay nominees, uh, again, I like this one a little bit less, so at least uh, I'll be uh, going last after I read the nominees here. Um, We have Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and the film you were alluding to, Rachel, the Norwegian film, The Worst Person in the World. So for this one... Eesh. Okay, so I might have had them in a different order on Films Fatale, but uh, judging how I'm feeling right now, um, I'm going to go King Richard last. I feel like, you know, a couple of good lines doesn't 
doesn't detract from the fact that uh, it's a really cookie cutter film. And uh, the longer time passes, the more I get really disgruntled with the whole notion that uh, Richard Williams uh, got by with this whole plan philosophy. Um, yes, yes, he did. But the fact that the film doesn't necessarily... Um, it doesn't resolve with this same type of gray area that it professes to have throughout the entire film. It's kind of bothersome. I personally know a lot of people whose, uh, you know, sports careers or entertainment careers have been stymied by their parents. Um, this whole thing about having a dream, you know, you could also stunt the growth of your loved ones by doing this. And I feel like um, this this whole whimsical thing, it, it's, it's no, not feeling it. Not feeling it right now anyway. Um, number four. I'm going to go with Don't Look Up, which I like more than The Average Person. Having said that, it's still a pretty flawed film, and I feel like part of it comes from its hit-or-miss nature, and that also stems from its screenplay. So what satire does it do well? What satire really doesn't land too well? What lands with a thud? And I feel like a satire's pretty much got to be thorough because you're trying to get some really taboo or hot takes Deliver to your audience if you're thinking of like Network or Dr. Strangelove. How are you going to win them over uh, either through deception or, you know, with with an open an open embrace, knowingly telling them this information? It just doesn't really do that. It kind of loses me at points uh, while winning me over in other points, but it's not thorough enough. Number three, uh, Belfast. Um, I'm not a really big fan of Kenneth Branagh to begin with. Having said that, this is still one of the best things he's done in ages. Is it deserving of a win, which he might get? Not necessarily. Um, but I feel like it's a really candid take on the troubles and what he experienced when he was a child, either as a growing cinephile or the uh, political turmoil that he had to face, you know, in you know, in the place that he called home, which is really tough to grasp. Having said that, I still feel like it's a little safe, but it's still one of the better things that Kenneth Braun has directed or written in a very long time. Number two, I'm going to place Licorice Pizza. I This is a huge leap from, from third to second. I love Paul Thomas Anderson's script here. I love seeing what he's doing with a slice-of-life comedy drama that works with vignettes. I feel like each little story has its own really weird or fantastic purpose. And it all gets tied together with the realization that everybody sucks in the world and we gravitate towards those that we find the least sucky. And I feel like that's amazing. And um, I got to hear him give a talk, uh, digital of course, but you know, it was still like a live event where he said that this film to him was the realization when you're a teenager, you're gonna meet less childish people when you're when you reach adulthood you just realize that we are all children that are professing not to be so i totally get that in this film and i feel like he he uh that resonated with me so so well number one um i don't know if this is uh trying to bring rachel's uh prophecy to fruition but the worst person in the world i feel like the way that it is cut up into these chapters each chapter, no matter their duration, because some are really short, some are longer, they all have their own significance. They all are powerful in their own way, and they all carry a different facet of romance, heartbreak, um, drive, anything of that nature when it comes to, um, yeah, like the inexplicable nature of the heart. You know, I feel like the entire film takes its entire duration trying to 
trying to encompass all of the different things that the heart can feel. And I feel like it does so, so well, so understandably, so conventionally, but also risky at the same time. I, I think it's a fantastic screenplay. Having said that, I uh, apologize for saying that it's not going to win. I don't think it will. This is also a bit of a toss up. I think Don't Look Up doesn't have a chance in hell. Um, I don't think King Richard has a chance, but I would say it's the least likely to win of those that are actually likely to win. I really think this is between Licorice Pizza and Belfast. And considering the fact that Licorice Pizza, I'm pretty sure won the BAFTA, which is baffling, um, you know, alliteration intended. I, <laughs> I, um, I, I don't know. Having said that, we know that Best Picture nominees usually typically win at least one award, but Licorice Pizza is not really up for anything else and it's not winning Best Director. So this could be its win. Otherwise, it's going to be Belfast, but I'm going to go with a hot take and say Licorice Pizza because it's got to get a, a, a goodie bag of some sort. All right, I'm next. So put King Richard last. It's just standard screenplay. I think the main thing that I didn't care for was I didn't realize this was going to be kind of a highlight for Venus at the end. Like Serena seemed like an unresolved subplot that just... They wanted a hint to, but it was just, yeah, I, I, this didn't go the direction I thought it was going to go. Like the time frame and where it stopped, I just, I, I thought they could have gone a little bit further. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I don't know. King Richard's one of those. It's like, it's, it's one of those safe films that's deserving to be nominated in safe. And that's really all I can say about it. Number four, I put, don't look up. I just felt like Adam McKay was trying too hard. It felt like David O. Russell rewriting an Aaron Sorkin screenplay. If that makes sense. Kind of, actually. I don't, I think Adam McKay, I think he's trying to lean a little too hard on his comedy background. Yeah, I get that. Like, it worked for The Big Short, and I love The Big Short. That is one of my, like, favorite movies of that year and just of the past, like, couple decades. But... <clears throat> It feels like he wants to constantly try to, he wants to one-up that, and that's what it felt like here, but at the same time, you know, and I was thinking about it, I don't know, because there's the, the, because we talked about the runtime issue, is there more that, should it have been longer? That's kind of a question I had. This sounds weird, but I know there's certain films that benefit from adding extra footage and i think this could have that this is a case where it could have been maybe a little bit longer to actually explore certain things and not seem so disjointed but i'd say maybe it might have been a little more appropriate as a miniseries yeah actually it's a good yeah, point you know what yeah that actually would have worked three belfast i thought as far as screenplays go it wasn't one of my favorites i thought this did have a good screenplay in general that's really all I can say about it. It wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't terrible. I thought it did what it needed to do, and I think it it trimmed the fat of the other two I mentioned because it's a bit leaner than those two. Because uh, once again, the runtime thing, King Richard and Don't Look Up are just a little too long for what they're doing. Two licorice pizza. I thought it was a great screenplay. I thought it was very well written. I thought it was performed. I just gotta say one of the things that holds it back for me and I was going to wait for the best pick discussion for this. I found that, and this isn't, if you liked it, I don't have a problem with it, but I found the ending to be inappropriate and just irresponsible. 
I, there should have been a lesson to be learned from that, and it didn't. And I get that's part of the story, but there are so many things wrong with that that it's like it's like not to get into it. But yeah, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way. That's very that's fair. Understandable. And then one worst person in the world. I think this did everything right that the others did wrong. Like it was just so compelling and it was paced well and just the different chapters, the way those all fit together. Yeah, it's it's very deserving. And I I honestly think it might win. It's either going to be this or Belfast. If the other ones get it, it's going to be kind of I, I I just wonder if it's politics thing. Interesting. I went totally off a different wavelength with than you guys did. <laughs> Ooh. So, like you guys, I ranked King Richard last. Um, I just feel it was really bloated and it had no reason to be. It was kind of, I don't know, if, if they had cut it to an hour and 40 minutes and it had been the standard biopic, I think it would have been a much more successful film. I also just never quite got a handle on the characters in the movie. I just felt it wasn't cohesive enough. That said, I'm going to eat my words in a couple of entries, so you'll see what I mean. Belfast, I put it number four just because I felt it didn't die very deep where it should have. It played it too safe and it relied a little bit too much on sentimentality. I think if it had been a little bit harsher, a little bit colder, and if it had kind of gone deeper into the characters and their situation, yeah, I think that would have been a stronger movie. Now, I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite and put Don't Look Up third. And that's because, sure, it's overlong, sure, it's lopsided, but when it was on, it was so on and it tapped into this absolute vein of rage that people have been feeling for years. And those parts were so on point that that's what pushed it up for me. Um, Licorice Pizza, very solid, strong movie all around, all about unpleasant people, which I love. And um, yeah, it just did a really good job of telling a very difficult story to tell. Um, And The Worst Person in the World was risky, it was innovative, it was this unbelievable character study. And it was just successful in all points. So I put it as number one, but I think Don't Look Up's going to win. Oh, I hope not. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. So there's a certain type of movie that wins best screenplay, best original screenplay, I need to say. It's a little quirky. It's got a gimmick to it. It may not be that good. Sometimes it is very good, but it may not be that good. But when you look at the movie, you think that's the best original screenplay winner. And there's no finger you can put on it exactly. It's films as diverse as Juno and Little Miss Sunshine a promising young woman in Ghetto. But when you see that movie, you're like, it's got the hook. It is going to be best original screenplay. And I had that vibe so much with Don't Look Up. Because again, I think the gimmick is going to get people in. You never know. And let's consider this. Uh, We've brought up the fact that um, at least most Best Picture winners are going to win at least one award. Mm -hmm. And what is Don't Look Up going to win? Maybe editing? If not, it's probably going to be this. And I'm foreseeing a licorice pizza shout out, to be honest. Oh, got it. Well, considering the fact that I think it's the least nominated outside of CODA, I think they're tied at three nominations apiece. And, you know. And that movie had just the worst release possible. It was like one step forward, two steps back for a couple of months. And just didn't seem to resonate with a ton of people. It was very skillfully done. And then there was all the awkwardness of the story's implications. And I just don't see it taking off. That's too bad. Well, um... Let's let's get some uh, some brighter news. Okay, what else are we are we discussing this episode, Rachel? Well, we spent the past three weeks complaining about the Oscars. So, guys, we can't just complain and do nothing. We are going to teach the Academy how to fix it because we know they're listening. And you hear us, Academy? Yep, 
this is how we're going to do your ceremony now. So listen and put down your books and, and tell Amy Schumer to go sit in the next room for a minute while we figure this all out. Ouch. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead. Um, so what are some things that are upsetting you lately about the Oscars? Well, the fact that they clearly don't know who their audience is. Um, at this point, and I've read this from one of your, uh, your online comments, Rachel, and I couldn't agree more. Um, the Oscars have to face the facts that they're not the, uh, the event of the year that they used to be. That they have this core audience, like us three here. And that's exactly who they should be answering to, not trying to win back people who, in this day and age, and, you know, in a, in a universe where even Rotten Tomatoes, people are like, man, Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 70-something, even though it's an aggregate, that's not how it works. Everybody's forming their own opinions, and it, you know, the idea of the uh, the subject of a war just doesn't really click with too many people anymore, so it should really be catering to the people like us who are still here, and doing that by stripping down and basically just presenting the awards bare bones as is a little bit of banter here and there if they so desire but not being caught up in stuff that just does not matter because at the end of the day they're shooting themselves in the foot yeah totally i i think that they need to realize maybe switch to streaming instead of regular tv so they don't have to pay so much it just they need to realize that they are not what they used to be. Now that said, I think they could win some fans back by going back to the glamour of it all. I'm not talking about the fancy dresses. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about drawing on the moments of film history that we all remember, bringing back some of the older stars, maybe win over some of the boomer audience that still watches a lot of television. Because right now, it seems like they're taking the worst of, of Hollywood instead of the best. And... N- not relying on what makes them enduring. Couldn't agree more. So I only have, I have like a couple specific things. One, qualifications. They need to change. I don't think that, I think I should be able to have access to everything after nominations. I don't think it's fair when movies try to push, push, push films out the week of Christmas and New Year's just to be qualified in, in the competition and then have a rollout. Cause that's, that's like my biggest thing. I'm just like, Oh, we're putting out on Christmas, but it's not really getting an actual rollout until like the middle of January, just for the award season. Rachel and I are very fortunate because we live in a city that is often, you know, in Toronto. Exactly. So like when it is Oscar season, we do get those limited releases. So that is something that we definitely, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. And we get them here too. I'm just saying as far as like, like some of the shorts that weren't available or like, you know, like, like writing with fire, there's absolutely no reason that shouldn't be available before. Like it's not coming out till everybody until after the ceremony. And geo blocking is such a big issue for streaming only releases. I think that if you need to make it, um, make the film available, you should make it available in as much as the, of the world as possible. Like being, being from Canada, you know, Andreas and I don't live too far from James. And yet we are blocked off from several films that he is not. (laughs) Can't get Hulu. We're literally a drive away. Yes. <laughs> a long and drive, then, um, but a drive. Another one is stop ignoring the first three quarters of the year. Yes. There's so many good films that come out. And it's rare. And then the final one, I think the format, we've already discussed our displeasure with the format they're going, trying to go back to. Honestly, I still say it, even though Steven Soderbergh's approach had its flaws, he's... He approached the ceremony 
like he was making a film. And that, to me, I think makes more sense than just being a standard award show. The award show for filmmaking should play like a film. I would also say stop trying to draw the comedy out of it and add back more of the elegance. Have a host yeah, exactly. who, who looks classy in a suit and says witty things, you know. Yeah, like little retorts, like yeah. this this inside joke banter. Like it, it, at the end of the, I know that this is their ceremony, and they're not really doing it for us. They're only showing us because we're willing to watch. But at the same time, like like enough already. Um, you know, just keep it straightforward because that's what people are interested in. I mean, as much as I love the Oscars, and you do as well, Rachel and James. This is a whole new world for you, and this is your second year being disengrossed. None of us are like we love the Oscars because we want to see the nonsense that they're going on about. Nobody cares about that. We we want the awards themselves, the anticipation, the celebration of film. That's what we care about. And speaking of the celebration of film, what are some other ways that our listeners can celebrate, Rachel? Well, um, you can follow along with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the K-Cut. And we are still doing Cinematic Smorgasbord, despite being crazy busy this month. And we will be doing The Sterile Cuckoo for our collective pick. We'll be doing Bully, Being There, and Wait Until Dark for our single picks. Fantastic. And basically, Academy, if you're still listening, what that entire second half of this episode was really saying was... We'd like some screeners next year because we're some of the only people who watch all the nominees. So give us some screeners, Oscars. Give us them screeners. That was the K-Cut. We're now going into the L-Cut. <laughs> <laughs>